legalized like, marijuana that's going to be happening <laughs> in like two months. So we're live. <laughs> Wait, okay. oh, fantastic. <laughs> what a fantastic start. I mean, that's almost uh, as good as that other start. Variations thereof. Welcome to the Selective's Lorecast, Casual Elder Scrolls Podcast. <laughs> My name is Rotten Deadite, and today we're talking about Bretons, which is great because I need the sleep. Uh, <laughs> with me today are... <laughs> Uh, I am Andrew, also known as the White Guar. And I am Felix, also known as Banu Hanimasaishi. Um, so I give Bretons a lot of shit, but I'm going to start this cast by first saying they're not nearly as bad as I make them out to be. Not even remotely bad. Um, I think that they sort of started with a very uh, Western whitewashed you know, fantasy for white people kind of origin. But um, uh, the various writers at Zenimax and and uh, and Bethesda made it their duty to immediately start getting not getting rid of that, but deviating wildly from that standpoint. Um, however, there are a number of uh, very Arthurian features to Breton mythology. Um, their lack of a Strong centralized government is a good start. Um, most uh, of uh, what we consider to be high rock uh, is actually a collection, has historically been a collection of city-states. Uh, if you think about, I mean, everybody pretty much is familiar with um, the, uh, the Thanes and the various uh, holds in Skyrim and how they operate almost independently from the main Skyrim king um they are still more of a highly they're still more centralized than high rock high rock is very much about infighting and politics and shit um uh, another sort of slightly irritating cliche for me is the idea of bretons being half half elves um but uh i'm glad to say that there is largely not really there are a lot of arguments why they aren't high uh, uh half elves um, or why they're the, the a description of them being half elves is actually irrelevant from their actual, you know, genetics, so to speak, uh, that they're, uh, that when people think about Bretons, when they, when people in the Elder Scrolls universe describe Bretons as being half elves, what they mean is it's a cultural amalgam, not a biological amalgam. Um, and uh, and there are all sort of ways that that the writing teams on at Bethesda and Zenimax have made that made the Breton biological half you know mixed race feature uh, much more interesting than uh, or I should say much more unusual than the uh, than what we commonly have here in the real world, um, uh, which I always appreciate. The farther you can deviate from my life, the better. Ah. <sighs> Um, so, <laughs> uh, sad sigh. So, uh, we, um, uh, they, yeah. And, and as captain just pointed out in chat, one thing that makes them very, uh, interesting, uh, or, or one thing that makes them deviate strongly from, uh, from most mannish races. And one thing that I'd like to start talking about is that Bretons are way more comfortable with magic than most mannish races are. Even the, uh, Imperial, uh, uh, of, uh, the, 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 the occupants of Cyrodiil, however they wanted to identify themselves, um, are generally a little bit more wary of magic, and it, it has more of a separation from common 
uh, culture than uh, than it does in High Rock. And so like a lot of people will occasionally ask, this sound like a tangent, but it isn't. Um, a lot of people ask when in in uh, in uh, uh, various lore forums everywhere, why if magic is so dominant in the Elder Scrolls universe, do we not see more of it being used casually um, by people in the street? You know, why don't we see people lighting fires with magic and so on? And my my answer to that would be: Have you ever seen anybody light a fire in the Elder Scrolls games, like ever? Because I haven't. I don't think. Anyway. Um, but, uh, hello. Um, <laughs> so they have, um, so in High Rock, on the other hand, the, uh, the, it, it cannot be understated how, uh, or cannot be overstated how heavily magic has infiltrated casual everyday life. There are kids, street performers on the street, little kids performing illusion magic for money. Um, uh, uh, magic is very much a way of life in High Rock. Uh, just as much as it is in any uh, uh, in in uh, Altmaris, Alt for example, in um, in the Somerset Isles. Um, so I, I uh, so when people like to talk about, well, wouldn't it be nice if we had uh, if Elder Scrolls Six took place in High Rock? And as much as I like to vociferously disagree with them, I do have to admit that it would be really interesting to see a culture that uses magic constantly on every level of society, no matter what their education or or whatever, you know, or whatever level is. Um, having said that, I'm now going to leave it up to these two guys to tell me all the different ways that Bretons are interesting. <laughs> are no we, we going to convince you? Is that, is that what we're doing? <laughs> we, we have to bring you over to the side of High Rock? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's your job. All right. Well, um, to touch on what you pointed out earlier with regards to... Um, seeing just a more casual magic use of oh there goes you know the baker just using you know alchemy and his fire spells to to light the ovens i mean that would be great to see but if we're talking from a purely like outsider's view knowing that this is just a fantasy world in a video game that could be limited purely because of the in-game engine oh yeah absolutely Um, no of course it's the same reason why you know in the lore it says uh the elves are great users of magic, and we see in here all this stuff about, you know, the Dunmer, the Khajiit, the Red Guards, but we never actually see these cultural traits going on too much. We, you know, there's there's never there's never been a mission in any game about you have to, you know, stop someone from dying at this big parade, or you have to carefully watch and see if there's, you know, an evil person in a parade who's gonna unleash a hypnotizing spell or something. Mm-hmm. We don't really see too many cultural elements but i do understand why that is um with that being said about cultural aspects of the bretons um i was unaware of the point that you had mentioned earlier which was that there are some out there who argue that it's not so much um that bretons are say genetically half elf and half human Mm -hmm. that they've just taken a lot of cultural aspects Mm -hmm. which would be interesting um one of which, and feel free, Andrew, to correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Ifrei is actually a god in the High Rock Pantheon. Yes, he is, along, okay. with, along with Magnus and Finaster. As that well. was the other one, Finaster. Thank you for that. Yes. I um, do not know enough about Finaster, so I'm going to have to 
have to get you to be the expert on that one. Okay, I know Ifri, I we all know Magnus, the big dude who said nope and left, but uh, I don't know about Fine Astro. Yeah, a Fine Astro's whole deal is that he's he's the god hero who um, taught the Altmer how to live long lives, and it had right. to do with uh, the length of their stride. So by walking a certain way, oh, hey. Oh, hey, hey. Uh, oh, we're getting in there we can, again. Uh, we can extend our lives. Um, and so, uh, as we see in ESO, uh, Finaster's sort of sigil, symbol, whatever, is is a, a stepping shoe. Um, and I remember seeing that, and I was like, "What? who, who is that? It's a boot. I remember Jonathan Burnson, uh, Sothis, was was like, yeah, it's Finaster, bro. I was like, ah. Okay. Ah, yeah. Makes yeah. sense. How to walk. So, how to walk the right way. <laughs> Yeah, as Slim so, McKean also pointed out, that's also interesting is that um, uh, the Bretons are one of the few Manish races to view Shore, or as Shore, as they call it, uh -huh. as an evil god. Uh, as another sort of elvish, elf-esque elf uh, yeah. aspect to their well, culture. Well, one, what's interesting about that is that that kind of creates a tentative link between Sheogorath and Lorcan. Oh, the name, you mean? Sheor. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, because, I mean, yeah. But yet another yeah. link. Yet another yeah. link between yes. Lorcan yes. and... Uh, and, okay, and we, well, well, yeah, because, <clears throat> because Sheogorath was born when Lorcan's divine spark was removed. He was right. born from the void and that, that was left in Lorcan's chest cavity. Mm -hmm. So yeah. they're absolutely connected. Um. Yeah. Which also would, in its own way, explain the madness of Akatosh, as we've discussed in other um, lore casts as well. Um, so, beyond like the sort of unique um, views of the Bretons, as it were, um, how do we think that relates to their views not only of each other but of their neighbors? Say, viewing the Alessian Order or the Nords, do they see themselves as like a cut above or, oh yeah, we're related to them distantly. They're like third cousins kind of thing. I, I, I would imagine the Bretons kind of look former at, roommate. <laughs> former roommate. I would imagine the Bretons kind of look at, at their, their distant relatives, their, their neighbors as kind of like, um, you know, that the way you, you, you might look at your, your uncle who lives out in the sticks and makes moonshine <laughs> makes missing teeth. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're related, but we don't talk about that. Mm. Like, that's that's kind of the feeling that I get because the he's the he's the he's the the scary looking uncle with the big beard who voted for Trump. We don't, <laughs> yeah, we don't yeah. talk about him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, because I mean, it's pretty pretty oh, common God. that every race in the Elder Scrolls they are extremely um, ethnocentric. Uh, all of them, for the most part, with the exception of maybe the Khajiit, there's a couple exceptions, um, they all think that they are better than everyone else. The Dunmer, the High Elves, the Nords, maybe maybe not the Orcs, I don't know, that's, kind of, that's up for debate, but that's... I, you know. I bet you that, well, I don't think the Orcs would say outright, yeah. oh, we're better than everyone else. But they'd s express a very similar sense of nationalism in a different way. Yeah, yeah, they'd say we're not better than you. We don't give a shit. That's <laughs> probably what they say. Um, I agree, except the Dunmer are right. Um, <laughs> uh, excuse me, that's not how you say or pronounce Redguard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, on on this on this note, let's actually talk about this a little bit. Um, 
because as Chris pointed out, and it's pointed out in several documents, the Bretons really don't seem to get along with each other. And the only yeah. time they kind of did was during the miracle of peace in the second or early third era. I can't That's remember. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> and um, because of that, you know, you have um, the horse people of the Bulesay River, which are very tribal. You have the eternally competitive city-states of Daggerfall and Wayrest. Um, you know, there's the Western Reach, which is in the easternmost part of High Rock. That's kind of the hor- the home of the Forsworn and the Reachmen. So the in, this, in this one single peninsula, you have humans, orcs, the history of elven rule based from the Isle of Balfiera. You have um, Netic peoples, you have Altmer, you have all these different races and cultures and ethnicities all coming together into this one area. And so the idea of it being, yeah, it's just generic Western, you know, Middle Ages, just combine France, Germany, and England, and you have High Rock is really not accurate at all. (laughs) <laughs> which is really unfortunate that that seems to become the myth that has been perpetuated. I see Angie's currently occupied, so I'll ask for mm-hmm. a rebuttal or an addition from you, Chris. Um, not yet. I think you guys are really doing a really good job of uh, of talking about what what it is about Bretons that we that that makes them interesting, and not trying to put me to sleep. Um, and that's, uh, and, and that's like, I didn't really want to interrupt because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of sort of the, the ways that they, um, that the, uh, Elder Scrolls writers have taken the basis of Bretons as being basically kind of a Bretonian cliche, a, a, you know, an old English mythology cliche and tweaked them to fit the Elder Scrolls universe better is the way that Bretons have a tendency to worship Ifer. Um, Ifer, Ifri, Ifra, or Ifer, or whatever, Ifer, whatever you want to. And which, what I find interesting about that is I don't think I've read anything that confirms or denies the idea that the Bretons don't... the idea that the Bretons feel that Ifer is, or Ifer or whatever, is a is not a Bretonian god, because generally speaking, people will agree that Ifer is a um, is a, a, or the personification that they call Ifer is a it's it's pronounced Jeffrey. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> the god Jeffrey. I believe. I believe. Yeah, it's oh, it's Joffrey, and uh, people like to. There's slap a him dev a lot. named Jeff out there going, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> worship me. <laughs> um, uh, a lot of uh, uh, I think a lot of people in the Elder Scrolls universe would agree that uh, Jerfer is a uh, is a god of um, of the uh, Bosmer. Bos- bo- excuse me, but bo- 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 Today's not a good word for word. Today's not a good day for words for me. Um, and so they, uh, uh, and and I think that that sort of lends me to give more credence to the idea that the Brett Bretonian half elf concept is closer to a cultural amalgamation than a biological one. Although I should also mention that that most preserver uh, <laughs> that most people ha- will generally agree that uh, the concept of a half-elf is not 
necessarily something that they pulled from uh, old English mythology, although it might be. I, I don't want to say absolutely for sure. Hi, Sims. Um, but rather that uh, um, that, that is a, uh, a concept pulled from the various elements of Elder Scrolls lore that are borrowed or inspired by um, Tolkien. Uh, as many of you guys will remember, uh, um, Tolkien, uh, his spin on the half-elf myth was the uh, men of Numenor, the Numenorians, uh, who were um, half-elvish and therefore largely mannish, but, but gained a lot of the sort of wisdom and definitely the longer lifespan of elves, uh, of which Aragorn is a member and yeah. are l widely considered to be people where if they find out that you're a Numenorean, they're just like, holy shit, it's like finding a really rare Lamborghini or something, you know? Yeah. It's like, where did Although, that come from? I can't freaking believe you're talking about, to this guy. Uh, to just go <clears throat> slightly off topic for literally two seconds is, mm -hmm. um, Aragorn <clears throat> is part of that, but um, in um, in the world of, of Middle-earth, they're known as the Dunedain, which are the descendants oh, of, right. of Numenor, the, the Dunedain. Right. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, like same thing, you know, long life, you know, you had like a, an elven great granddaddy or something, and that just gives you better genetics or something. Yeah. Um, hashtag blessed. But, right. Right. But then the counterpoint I would raise to the notion, or I guess not a counterpoint, but a complementary point um, is one of um, the fact that the Bretons were also said to have... Um, inherited their natural aptitude for magic from the Altmer clan, which is from the Dureni, who themselves came from, I think, uh, somewhere in somewhere in or near Cloudrest in Somerset Isle. And they moved out because they recognized the power of um, the Adamantine Tower, which is known as the Dureni Tower on the Isle of Belfiera. Mm -hmm. And they decided, hey, this would be a really great way to continue expanding our influence and be away from any kind of potential rivals or threats or enemies. And that was kind of how the Dureni hegemony started. And around that time is where you start to get, in my opinion anyway, or my assertion, is that's when you start to see High Rock as a cultural entity rather than a political entity start to form in that area. Is It starts with these High Elves that come over, and even if at first they just kind of uh, set up shop and several fiefdoms saying, hey, just pay your taxes to me and you can continue to be your little king on a hill. There's like an expression for that with the Brens. <laughs> well, because the Brens actually have a expression um, saying it's so easy to become a king in High Rock. All you need is a hill. You know, you literally oh, walk to the top of a hill and say, hey. Phrasing. One, one, that, and that, uh, Find you a hill and stick your thing in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, how you make a king. Oh, love yeah. unto a hillock. That, yeah. uh, so a, a point I, I understand was the make Bretons right. also have a phrase, uh, I believe it's uh, in modern parlance, is, I tell you what, that boy ain't right. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> Damn it, Bobby. Damn it, Bobby. <laughs> right, but uh, yes, Andrew, you were, you were saying? Yeah, mm -hmm. so... I, I think what that's in reference to that's a, a couple things there. Um, one being that the the Bretons have this cultural aspiration as being adventurers and and kind of doing the Bilbo Baggins thing where mm -hmm. where they okay. you know they go out and they uh, experience danger. Adventure. 
and they come back enriched and that's when they settle down and become a king on their hill mm-hmm. um instead rather than being under the hill like bilbo Ooh, um, good one yeah hey. um but <laughs> but another thing is that prior to the warp in the west which is a gigantic occurrence historically speaking for the iliac bay area um, there were dozens of different city-states all warring with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daggerfall and Wayrest were two of the biggest ones, but you have so many of these little city-states. Part of that that whole saying is a joke. Then there's so many different kingdoms. Like there's a hill, here's another kingdom. Like that's that's part of what they're saying. So it's it's kind of a it, it's double layered in there uh, with with meaning. Um, so it's it's uh yeah it's a very culturally appropriate saying i think um but a point i wanted to go back to while i was being waylaid by a six-year-old um uh you you mentioned earlier felix that um a lot of the cultural aspects that we see in the games don't seem to reflect what we see in like writing uh you know in in in-game books or or you know um Pocket Guide to the Empire, name a version. Yeah. Um, and and that is one of the reasons that I insist that the games are not the source of the lore when it comes to oh. those kinds of things. Um, they are a way to view the lore. And I say this all the time mm-hmm. uh, because the games are not wholly representative of everything that we could possibly see in this fictional universe. Right. Right. You go to Balmora and Marwan, there's maybe what 30 people living there. That's a hamlet. Mm -hmm. That's itty bitty. Mm -hmm. There should be thousands of people walking around. The market should have people sitting out on the street with their little tents just peddling their cheap shit. Like Imperial City in Cyrodiil. Oh, absolutely. That should be miles and miles. You shouldn't be able to find your way around the Imperial City. Mm. Like if I can walk from one end of the Imperial City to the other in three and a half minutes. I shouldn't be able to do that in the island of Manhattan alone. <laughs> right. So again, would... in-game limitations. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It's gamey winning. Yeah. And that's and that's part of my point. Right. Um. And that's why Daggerfall is the best game. Great, per- perfect way to put it, Silver <laughs> King. Perfect. Absolutely. And um. Uh, and I, I really like the idea that you're putting forward that number generation and. <laughs> everything was pixelated and the same assets. <laughs> That was real gaming. Yeah, I, I like the way you're you're phrasing that though. That the uh, that the video games are not the actual representation of the lore, and it actually reminds me of I think I've covered this before on this channel. The idea that Bethesda has actual Elder Scrolls in the basement, and that they're interpreting reports or stories or myths about a fictional dimension that or about a non-fictional dimension that actually exists. But their representation of it in the video games is just what they're able to afford to do, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that kind of plays to what you're saying is that the the actual lore of the Elder Scrolls universe is much bigger than uh, than uh, um, than the uh, than the way it's represented in video games. Um, so just because I mean, I'll put it this way: to go back to my whole thing about you know why don't we see people magically lighting fires in Elder Scrolls games? Yeah, it's an engine limitation. At the same time, I mean, that they don't even... I mean, you pull out a torch and you literally remove it from your ass and it's lit. Bam. Yeah, the, the famous lit torch underwater in Skyrim. Yeah, exactly, you know? 
So, yeah. <clears throat> well, yeah, again, these are <clears throat> these are things that we can all sort of nitpick um to death, but Andrew does raise a good point about um the pocket guides to the empire because it seems like and again, if we talk about the unreliable narrator and why it's so important when talking about the Elder Scrolls lore and trying to discern the actual truth of things, is you can view those as a foreigner's lens from an imperial or colonial mm. aspect mm. on that land that they therefore govern, right? So it may not be entirely true. It could be overhyped because we see this in our own history. You look at how the Romans describe, like, all of their neighbors, it's a miracle that any of them knew how to wipe their own ass, according to the Romans. But as we know from the greater body of history and studying other historical sources, we can paint a less biased and absurd picture. And so I feel that that also very much needs to be taken into account when we talk about the Scrolls War, because there's going to be more than one side to it. Um, which brings it to the follow-up point to that, which... Um, is that, as Andrew said, we see things that are very different in-game from the Bretons compared to what we read about. Mm -hmm. However, I found that there was a good redeeming aspect of that in both um, Elder Scrolls Online and in Skyrim. The introduction of the Forsworn yes. and the whole culture around that, I thought that was great. One of my favorite parts out of Skyrim. Oh, puppy dog. That's great. Yeah. Um, or is it right? Okay, so there's the Forsworn and the Reachmen. Um, and as we see in High Rock and the areas uh close to Hammerfell, like Bankarai Pass, it shows that it's not just you know verdant fields. We got swamps, we got a sort of Mediterranean vibe in some areas, we got river plains, we have tall, soaring, snow-capped mountains. So there's this great variety of geography and with variety in geography often comes variety in terms of linguistic dialects um accents i mean just look at england for god's sake like that's nuts over there and you have all these different independent kingdoms that would have certain views or you know cu cuisine and things like that that's something that i wish we saw more of in the elder scrolls universe is aspects of local cuisine sure we see certain plants you know oh you can you know it, you can eat mud crab meat in uh morrowind you got you know charred skeever hide Scrib jelly Skyrim. i mean there is some elements of that but i just wish they fleshed it out a bit more because it's one of those little details that makes a people in a place feel more real which again is something i think skyrim did very well mm -hmm. And and I mean I'm a Morrowind fanboy. Morrowind for me is still like my favorite Elder Scrolls game. So, you know, give give credit where credit's due. Mm -hmm. And well, but yeah, but uh, to be fair, there wasn't a whole lot of local food in Morrowind because everything was food the Nerevering. The dude chewed on That's diamonds. True, for fuck's yeah. sake. <laughs> <laughs> What's for breakfast this morning? A Dweamer pillow. Steel. <laughs> yeah, that is fair. Um, but uh, it, it also touches on something that we briefly, I think you briefly mentioned uh, when we started the stream, is that in many ways we imagine the Bretons to be very Western mm -hmm. European. But mm -hmm. again, if they are actually more culturally um, elvish, then what does that necessarily 
entailed beyond strictly a um, religious or philosophical or theological outlook mm-hmm. on Tamriel. But perhaps what does this mean in terms of um, how they view Lorcan or Sheor in this case, how they view their neighbors? Are their neighbors heretics? Is it the same religion? Heretic. The views relating to witchcraft and necromancy? These are all things that if you're a Breton, you may, depending on where you are, have a very different interpretation than, say, your classical imperial or your mm. Dunmer Telvanni mage. Good point. So yeah. that's something... I would love to see and hear more about. Well, um, it's kind of hard for me to separate my, for me to, it's hard, it's difficult for me to think about um, uh, cultures in the Elder Scrolls from anything but a very broad and metaphysical point of view. So the Breton uh, 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 approach to um, uh, the, the way they view the universe, i.e. from a very marish standpoint, um, it's pretty much all as far as I can get, uh, <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, it was one of the reasons why I was hoping on getting, uh, a, a, a couple of the, uh, a couple of people who would describe themselves as Breton experts on this cast, which by the way, remarkably difficult to find. Um, yep. uh, it seems like nobody wants to spend time with this culture for some reason. Which- which, which is a shame because there is that document that Andrew mm-hmm. linked earlier. I don't know who wrote it. High Rock is cool, and there's some yeah. really good art and ideas in there. And you know, I'm 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 actually going to copy that into chat here. Oh, good just, so, just so our viewers can take a mm-hmm. look at it as well. Which means I'm yeah, going to have to remember to put it into the video description on this when I upload it to YouTube, and I will forget. Yeah. So comment below for all you YouTube viewers to remind my dumbass to put a link into this thing. Uh, there we go. Um, I, I I missed some of what Felix was saying because my wife was leaving for work. But um, uh, I know that um, I I I think the point you were getting at was was that um, the people of High Rock are extremely varied. Uh, I think my wife knew. Oh, it may again. have been Sifri who was working on this document, by the way. That's Sorry, say that again. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, let's just go, kind of like you know start going down the list here. Um, so, uh, apparently, part of Orsinium was involved in High Rock. Well, Arsinium's always been a contentious topic in the Iliac Bay area, whether it's oh. Bretons or Redguards. They okay. both, it's, it's pretty much known that Bretons and Redguards hate each other, but they hate orcs more, which is why they're able and willing to work together oh, with that each old classic other tale. to like, push back the orcs if ever they get too uppity for that. Right. right? <laughs> and so um, the orcs generally see their homeland as the Lothgarian Mountains. And that doesn't sit well with, uh, I think, the people of Wayrest, because that's, like, right on their border. So they're not happy with that. And the orcs are also found in the Dragontail Mountains, which the Red Guards aren't happy about, and that's kind of why they both mm-hmm. love to hate the orcs. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember which war against Orsinium it was, because there have been several... Sieges against Orsinium. There's been more than a few, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But there was, there was like the first one where um, 
it was after the first kingdom of Orsinium had actually come into existence. But what I don't know, because I don't know enough about um, Orsimer lore, is how that kingdom came into existence, and if it came into existence before a truly unified um, Britonic policy, right? So if perhaps the orcs unified, but there was still like 10 or 20 different um, Breton kingdoms, then okay, that sort of makes sense. But if it was a unified High Rock when this happened, I'm not sure how that came to be, and if it might have involved the Daedra or something. But since that involves the orcs, I just don't have enough information off of that. Speaking of Daedra, something that I can actually speak relatively uh, in detail on, it's my understanding that the uh, that the Bretons have a little bit more of a constructive, I would use the phrase, the word constructive relationship with Clavicus Vile. And that apparently, yeah, apparently the Bretons are much more willing to make deals and cooperate yeah. with Clavicus Vile than yep. most managed, anybody else really, for that matter, um, except maybe the uh, Dunmer. Um, yeah. That would suit them yeah, very that's... well, considering all the you know trickery and backstabbing that goes on in exactly uh, Breton politics yeah. and High Rock, right? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it talks about that in PGE three, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it talks about how how many merchants, especially, will will make deals with Clavicus Vile. Um, and then I know there's uh, there's that one quest in ESO. This isn't quite Clavicus Vile related. Um, where there's that there's a giant tree, and I don't remember what he's called, but he's a he's a demi prince, and you end up in in his his demi plane, um, and it's it's uh, somewhere in I think it's the public dungeon in Daggerfall, mm-hmm. um, and uh, during that quest you show up and there's you know all these revels and it's like this this harvest festival and everything, um, mm-hmm. and and he's this obscure god of the harvest. Uh, yeah, the, the the bad man. Yeah, which oddly enough is also what they call Shior. Exactly. Uh, but but he's not Shior. He's he's some some demi prince. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so you're tricked into sacrificing grains and fresh apples to this this deity, and then and then you are summarily sacrificed to this demi prince. Nice. And then it's it's up to you to figure out how to thwart this this demi prince's plans, um, and yeah, so he chooses to manifest himself as a giant tree, which I always thought was super cool, um, because it 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 kind of gives some insight into uh, how even even lesser Daedra, if if we can call him a lesser Daedra, they can choose their form at will. For the most part, I mean, we know the whole thing about Barbus um, and uh, <clears throat> uh, and and Creeper, um, and how Creeper was possibly Barbus in scamp form. <clears throat> um, but the fact that that effectively a Dramora Lord was like, you know what, I'm gonna be a tree now. There yeah. I am, I'm a tree. <laughs> um, I because thought, I thought why not? Because I am yeah. plant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they called they called him bad man. Uh thank you, Slovakian. Um and yeah, I, I I didn't notice any connections to Shior in that. But um yeah, I mean the 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 whole point is that the Bretons don't seem to have a whole lot of compunction of of uh with dealing with princes. Um 
And that's that's interesting. That that sets them apart from some other <laughs> races, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I guess each race has a different a different relationship with with the uh, with the princes. Um, and yeah, Umbriel yeah, makes sense. It's yeah. true. Good example. Uh, and and some we see like the Dunmer make a very great distinction between several of the princes. You have the three good Daedra, and then you have the four corners of the House of Troubles. So right. yeah. which. Know, yeah, which which I mean, what the is, is a Breton cast not Dunmer cast? Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, but I'm, I'm just every saying, every cast like, to, is a Dunmer to, cast. To, to <laughs> actually prove and back up your point about how each yeah, culture yeah. has a different relationship, that would be another example of that. Um, and actually, speaking of relationships with you know, magic, the Daedra, the Arcane, the Aedra, things like that. One thing that I find never gets mentioned about the Bretons too much, which I always found very interesting, was that they technically, at least by current estimates, are in possession of the most powerful of the towers in all of existence. The Adamantine Tower, the tower that counts down to zero, to the to the new dawn, mm-hmm. the tower where the gods convened to discuss Lorcan's punishment and it's just sitting there on a rock outside of like one of the most major cities in western tamriel it's undervalued people just like, yeah that's yeah you know it's it's a fortress it's there and here we are just one of the most naturally gifted magical people who were also part of a monumental event known as the Warp in the West, mm-hmm. where basically, correct me if I'm wrong, but like three or four different timelines came true at the same time, and the Jills had to kind of stitch it all back together and say, yeah, I guess this works. It's um, not broken anymore. I believe all eight happened at the same time. Oh, that was what it was. <laughs> yeah, like that's something that happens in a high rock, and people are just like, oh, high rock, it's boring. I'm like, Literal time shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Come yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, I, High Rock is is very um, misleading in that it's it's got like a a light veneer of of you know classic Western European mythology mm-hmm. and you know Arthurian stuff, but it's actually super weird when you get down. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but, uh, but you have to get down into it to get there. Yes. Yeah. So you got to you got to bore through that 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 uh, shell there. That bland outer coating. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one one of the one of the weird things that that comes to mind for me, and this this has to do with the origin of the Bretons. Um, there's a theory floating around that the Bretons are actually an experiment, um, and and that experiment was it was whether it was intentional or not is is up for debate. Um, but the Dureni uh, often kept slaves. Who were Neic, and so um, after a while, as as with any slaveholding population, they began to copulate with their slaves. Yeah, you know, look at uh, the, didn't uh, yeah who was it? Wasn't it uh, Andrew Jackson who maybe had like some bastard children with a slave girl, something like that? I don't know. The, sa- same same uh, idea. No, that was Jefferson, I believe. Was Jefferson. that Jefferson? Okay, so, somebody. Um, and uh, so the the whole notion is that um, the the Bretons were a result of of you know hey well what happens if we start selectively breeding 
with these Nidic people and and see what comes out. Um, and and on the on the subject of you know what uh, I, I, I'm gonna stick my dick in that. <laughs> I mean, I mean they're 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 high elves. They can do no wrong. We'll like just see what not? happens. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, you you mentioned at the beginning of the cast that um, that the the Bretons can be considered to be half elf in a cultural um, aspect, um, and that they're not. It's not entirely accurate to consider them half elf biologically, um, and I mean, I I would almost I look at that in a in a um, in a taxonomy sort of sort of sense um, that after so many years, this intermingling of of two races, they they became so dissimilar from either race that they became their own thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you've got uh, you know, ring-tailed lemurs, for example, and then they they start breeding with this other, you know, whatever. There's a mutation, and suddenly we have this other offshoot that cannot effectively breed with the original, you know, host species or whatever. Um, and that's that's um, I don't remember who who came up with with that, but that's that's what separates species in it, at least in 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 real life is when one uh, offshoot genetically cannot breed with with the species it came from, then it can be considered a separate species. Um, and I mean, I know this is Elder Scrolls, and and I mean, there's a lot of interfertility between all the races, so it doesn't it's it's not a one to one ratio. Um, I lost my train of thought. Um, but. Yeah, the, the 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 whole point was that it's uh, it's it's an experiment to see how uh, how to make a new people, I guess. Um, and and uh, maybe I don't understand it super well, but it's that's what I've heard, and that's you know maybe the Thalmor were involved. I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Sure, I'd I'd have to have uh, I'd have to have someone else remind me of the details. You're you're missing the second part of that theory, which I love. Yeah, hit me. That's the reunion of the Elnafe. Because mm. you have the wandering Elnafe and the Elnafe who did not wander, which is how you get <laughs> descendants of men and elves. And here they are in perhaps an imperfect union, but a union nonetheless, in these tiny short people with like wrinkly foreheads in Western Tamriel. Mm. So who knows, right? Yeah. But that's a part of that theory that when I first heard that, I was like, oh, man, that is good. I like that. Yep. Um, I was also reading this section at the back of this document that talks about the origin of the word Breton and how it's been sort of explained in um, the Elder Scrolls universe. And apparently there's a lot of difference of opinion here, which is awesome. Uh, including that uh, the word Breton arose from the term Reachman, which is a stretch, but they kind of get there. Um, and that uh, Breton also came from a assignment of Bretons as the bed ones, as in the uh, the Daedric word, the Daedric letter B, bet. Mm. Um, uh, in other words, they were calling the Bretons a bunch of betas, I think. Um <laughs> 
the term Breton, and this is my favorite one, arose from the very because the very first town was founded in High Rock in a place called Bree Town or Bretown. So Breton, Bretown. A yeah. bray, bree or bray is actually an old word, mostly forgotten, but still used in wilder locations for a hill. So in other words, the hill town. Um, and therefore, uh, it kind of plays back to the whole Breton phrase of, you know, what was it? Find a hill, become a king. Yeah, I was thinking that. Hi, yeah. Jonathan. Yeah. I see you too. Get out of my fucking document. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and, Does everyone have, um, have edit abilities? What's going on here? Yeah, apparently. A, um, Stop editing! And uh, let's see. Uh, also, there's the uh, <laughs> uh, the idea that the word Breton arose from the old Elnofe term Beratu, which means half. Yeah, yes. and, I, and, and I think that's the commonly accepted explanation. Mm-hmm. As that's, that's, yeah, it's a being an Elnafe term and everything, and that's, yeah, I think, I think I've written on the subject, too. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, because I, 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 wrote, I wrote a piece, I don't know, maybe a year ago. Um, it was supposed to be a, um, a counter-argument to the notes on racial phylogeny and biology. I remember that. Yeah. I remember that yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the whole point was this actually kind of an idiot researcher who made bad arguments. Um, and your point was it's a more complicated than that. <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, yeah. Um, and he, he insisted that uh, notes on racial phylogeny is actually a racist book that has no intellectual found, foundation at all. Um and here's some counter arguments, but the counter arguments actually suck. Um, but but one of the ones was was Breton's, um, <clears throat> and I think he he brought up the the Baratu word in in that. Um, but the author, not me, the in universe author, he mm-hmm. didn't know the rest of the stuff. Um, probably because I wasn't thinking of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> But Dogs yeah, saying. that's as I understand it. That that last point, the term Breton arose from the Elnafe Baratu, is is the most common. Um, yeah, explanation it's, for that. It's the most common, or at least perhaps the most accepted version. Yeah, um, which also brings us to Breton languages and why it is that um, the various different languages of Tamriel have either gone away or all come to be spoken by the same people no matter where they are in Tamriel. Yeah. But the names are different, right? So, you know, you have in Cyrodiil names that are clearly borrowing inspiration from, uh, say, the old Roman Republic. It's not perfect because they used a, a triple naming system, mm-hmm. like you know, Lucius Publius Sulla kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas in Cyrodiil, it's kind of a mix of both Italian and Latin, which to me is like, you can sort of see where they're going from, but it sticks out to me as an English teacher. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet with the Bretons, even though we see that, you know, they're all speaking the same language, Breton naming convention is entirely different and based mm. off of Middle English and like middle French naming conventions. Yeah, there's, there's some French. I think there's also a little Italian thrown in there. Um, it's it's but, large. But it's it's yeah. largely French, but of course there's like 
a wide variety, right? Like you get Jamie, you get William, but you also have last names like Lafreniere, and that's super French. Uh, ultra yeah. French, yeah. 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 That's um, like, wow, that's like tasty French. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, um, Sith has just confirmed in chat that that is his document, by the way. Thank you very much, Sith. It's, it's fantastic. It's really well, well done. A great piece of info. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at the PGE one here. Um, and the first paragraph on the Bretons, it, it talks about how, um, and, and, and this is, this is, uh, obviously before the warp in the West. Um, it says, aside from imperial rule, Bretons are connected only in their language, geographic location, and the ancient rift that separated them from their Nordic progenitors, the Knight of Tears. Which I don't mm. know how much we know about that particular instance. Yeah, and that's the that's the only thing I can think of that that mentions the Knight of Tears. So what that I mean that must have something to do with Dureni or something, some kind of mass killing or something. I don't know. That's that's what it sounds like to me. Well, the uh, the the Knight of Tears they're talking about is the Knight of Tears that they talk about in the game of Skyrim, which you can find in like a couple books or something, where uh, an elven force, I think of Falmer or Aldmer or something like that, attacked the first human city of Skyrim, Sarthal. Mm. And, oh, right, yeah, okay. And that that's, was, that's that's that was about the Knight of Tears. They just kind of like killed humans where yeah. they could find them because they that's, were. That's discussed in the Seven Fights, isn't it? Uh, it might be. I'm not sure. I mean, that, that, that might be that might be the next when when men show up and and exact their revenge. Yeah, that that. Is, uh, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to go back and read the whole thing, and we ain't got time for all that. More reading to do. No, uh, yeah, well, so much reading. If if these if these casts teach people anything. <laughs> So you got to read it's a lot. That, that there's a lot of reading involved. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If you're if you're watching this, there's two things people learn from us. One, we are huge nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, we're at least funny nerds. So yeah. We have that going for us. Well, some Basically. of us really try to be, and then mm -hmm. like fall flat. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, you you had some good bangers, Andrew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But um, um, to, to get a bit more uh, back on, on topic and a little more coherent about things in terms of um, the language and, and the Night of Tears and things is apparently uh, on UESP in the history section of their lore on the Bretons page, it says, while the Aldmer maintained control of Tamriel, the Manmare lived as lower class citizens supporting their elven brethren. Notably, the subservience and general harmony meant they were spared during the Night of Tears. So already at this point, we're seeing that this is a clear people, perhaps not a whole um, culture yet, but at least a distinct ethnicity that is being talked about collectively and is at the very least tolerated in the true sense of the word. Mm. And that ultimately spares them a certain amount of backlash or hatred or bigotry. Again, to an extent, they're still lower class citizens, but they're citizens nonetheless. That kind of makes any sense. So already with that, we're seeing the, the establishment of what will become a Breton culture. But the Breton culture actually doesn't really start to form uh, the way I've understood it until... Uh, 
the Battle of Glenumbra Moors, where Breton kings started to rise right. up against Dureni power. And even though the Dureni won the battle, um, they just didn't have the manpower because elves take forever to reproduce compared to humans. Mm-hmm. They simply didn't have the manpower to really hold onto their possessions beyond the Isle of Belfiera. And so the Bretons started to take control of the Dureni possessions, which were all around the Iliac Bay. And that's sort of where we start to get the real polity of High Rock as a man-mare or man-controlled state, province, empire, kingdom, however you want to view it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of when we start seeing that history. But um, And this is also very unfortunate, is that in the lore, there's very little history that we see after like the um Marethic era and the first era right we don't really see a whole lot in the second era until eso which mm-hmm. is really unfortunate yeah oh. which is it's almost as if bretonia or uh, there i go again it's almost as if um high rock was asleep the entire time and nothing was happening i or i mean i don't know i mean the warp in the west didn't happen until after eso yeah. So they don't even have that excuse. It's just sort of, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've we've got the bit about the Doom Crag. Um, I mean, that might be worth talking about mm. uh, because that that happens before we show up in ESO. As the mm. Doom Crag is is uh, um, so, someone or other tried to create a new tower, and the Doom Crag is a failed tower. And it's been years since I actually did that quest, so someone might have to remind me um, who did what and what the stone was supposed to be. Um, but I mean that that kind of that happened in the Rivenspire area, um, which to me is very very Eastern European, um, you know, very Transylvania sort of sort of thing, vampires everywhere. Um. <laughs> Hmm. What else? What else do we want to talk about? I've pretty much exhausted my my notes here. Yeah, um, I've long ago run out of stuff. Um, run out of material. Uh, <coughs> hmm. I mean, but what's what? What is interesting is that uh, in Daggerfall, prior to the the Miracle of Peace, um, there are so many different city states, but in ESO. Prior to the warp in the West, there there aren't that many city states. You've got you know Wayrest and you've got Daggerfall, um, you've got you know Sentinel and and Orsinium and and all those which existed at the afterwards. So, I mean, I guess we have to we have to ask whether um, whether the timeline in ESO is is the um, is an alternate uh, universe because Sothasil himself says that TS is a multiverse. Um, or, or we have to wonder if, if the dragon break was retroactive um, and whether, whether that, that caused things in the past to turn out the way they are in the future. Um, Slovakians making a good point here, I think. Um, possible connections to dragons. Nephilogus, Nephilogus, uh, 
made a deal with Breton Kings. Yes, yes. Skakmat was um, uh, uh, King Aidwire's mom's oh, familiar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He was like a little tiny dragon, um, which which implies hmm. that, that dragons can change their shape. I think. Um, <coughs> uh, yeah, Nefalalargus. He was he was the dragon in Redguard. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, yeah, Skakmat was was the the little one. We don't know a whole lot about him. Um, if I've looked through UESP uh, to try and find more information about him, I wanted to maybe include him in my uh, um, TES tabletop game I'm I'm running. Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't find enough information to do a whole lot with him. Um, but yeah, there there is a lot of dragon symbolism going on in. Uh, uh, in Breton culture, I think, and and I would actually attribute that to their relationship to Nords and to the Netic people. Um, or and, was their and, relationship and, with Akatosh? What's that? Or would you attribute it to their relationship with Akatosh? I mean, it, there's no reason it can't be both. Um, Good point. Because I mean, because I mean, we've got the Nordic totemic religion, which goes back to the Netic peoples, and and uh, you know the at the, the people who came back from At Mora and all that. Um, so, I mean, that could be a holdover from that, and that may be why they worship Akatosh. Because remember, Akatosh is the dragon god of time free of elven corruption. At that point, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Not always so that to, way, though. Yeah, so to worship Akatosh is is to, I guess, um, denounce Ariel, in, in, in a manner of speaking. Uh... And it's it's almost it's an interesting dichotomy that exists even within their pantheon. So we've got Magnus, we've got Ifray, we've got Finaster, um, and we've got Shior or Shore as as a uh, as a negative entity. Right. Um and so that's yeah, so I, I would almost wonder if if the worshiping of Akatosh is is a holdover from old Nordic traditions that they just kind of stuck around and maybe the Bretons don't look at Akatosh as the god of time free of elven influence. That's mm-hmm. you know, they just haven't arrived at that yet. Um I'm trying I'm 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 trying to read chat here. Um, yeah, Slovakian, I think I think that's that's kind of what I'm driving at is that the 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 needs that the Netties, whatever we want to call them, uh, who came to High Rock, um, may be descendants of dragon cultists uh, who took their stuff and moved along with their lords after the Dragon War. Um, I like I like that that question. Uh, King of Daggerfall oh. is called the Dragon. That's Hmm. Hmm. Nah. What? What are you thinking? <laughs> Out well, with I'm it. from Louisiana, so calling the leader of an organization a dragon reminds me of things that are not Elder Scrolls related, <laughs> like a grand dragon. <laughs> so, so what am I thinking? Not great things. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Spanish Catholics, obviously. Oh, of course. Oh, that's what I was thinking. Oh boy! Yeah, point, point I was thinking I almost up. ran over David Duke once. <laughs> I'm, I'm not really not fucking kidding. <laughs> what? What? I didn't know it was him until after he jumped out of the way. 
Well, okay, well, that's a story you got to tell one of these. I, I didn't. I've, I've literally given you the highlights. I did. I almost hit a dude after he jumped out of the way. He turned around and yelled at me as I was driving past, and I realized it was David Duke. But that's it. you were you were about to say something. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I was, not not I that was great a story, slight, really. <laughs> I was I'm just gonna make a slight comment, nothing serious. Um <laughs> a more serious comment that I was thinking about, um, which we haven't touched on too much, probably because there just simply isn't enough information. Like I said earlier, we get a few snippets of you know Breton and High Rock lore in the first era, the third era, and now with ESO in the second era. Mm-hmm. And that's it. We don't really know a whole lot. In between, except they tell us, oh, you know, the fiefdoms persisted for hundreds of years. Um, But what would be interesting to discuss and just sort of theorize is how um, some of these cultural aspects would work, such as, you know, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to assume, at least in my opinion, that the Bretons are so fond of adventuring because if they're like classical, you know, families from earth you have lots of kids the oldest is gonna you know inherit the family business or the title of lord or whatever so the other kids gotta go and find their own new fiefdoms or kingdoms or wealth or something along those lines and what does that entail who can marry who how does it involve all these other different families you know we, we keep hearing about how complicated and basically how byzantine politics are and higher off, but we never get any concrete examples of this, except you get a little bit of it in uh, Daggerfall, I believe, when you have to start doing certain missions for different nobles in Wayrest and uh, Daggerfall, the city. So mm-hmm. I would love to hear if you guys have any kind of, I don't want to say like headcanon, but a kind of assumption or notion or something you've seen in the lore that reminds you of a system or a polity that was actually in place, um, somewhat relevant in our actual human earth history. Cause I see, um, Sithirius prime in the chat here. He says they record their census in the book of life, which has that very Nordic or Egyptian style to it. Right. So what are some like real world influences which we've talked a little bit about. What are some other real-world influences you can see in Bretons in terms of, say, armor, cultural belief, potential feudal system, things like that? I'd love to hear your guys' opinions well, before I go on my own tangent. As, as I've mentioned before, a lot of Breton uh, uh, lore has its basis in uh, uh, Arthurian mythology, which itself right. has it takes a lot of inspiration from French culture and mythology so there's and and, and i'd argue some anglo some uh you know like danish germanic beowulf Beowulf type stuff Mm -hmm. yeah so a lot of the language of um of what we uh of of the culture that spawned arthurian mythology bretonia that kind of stuff um is going to sound or feel very french in many ways um, in fact, if you look at other games that, oh, Celtic as well, very good, very good example. Um, if you look at other games, video games or otherwise, I'm thinking specifically Warhammer Fantasy at this point, or what we now know, what has been changed into Age of Sigmar for the better, in my opinion. Um, 
Warhammer Fantasy also had a army outright called Bretonia um, that you could collect that was heavy on the knights. There's a lot of knights in the Bretonian uh, uh, data sheets. And um, their lore was absolutely almost a carbon copy of Arthurian mythology with some very minor changes. Sort wow. of Warhammer Fantasy can probably be best said, you know, like summarized as being the best attempt they can make at making Grimdark, but for fantasy. So while Grimdark, you have 40K where everything is, you know, the most gigantic, ridiculous, over the top kind of, you know, uh, uh, world building that you can do where you, you just take a good idea and then multiply all the numbers involved by 10,000 and now you've got Warhammer. Um, Warhammer Fantasy was sort of the equivalent, but from a but for a much more obviously fantasy Tolkien-esque basis. So they basically took Tolkien-style fantasy and Arthurian-style fantasy and etc. and just made it really sort of just tried to create a universe where things sucked for everybody, <laughs> basically. And, um, and, and so like for Warhammer Fantasy, for example, where you have the, um, the way they would twist this around, and yes, once again, it's a 40K cast and not a um, Elder Scrolls cast. Um, what, uh, one of the ways they would do this is they would take the, uh, um, uh, the idea of Bretonian questing and what would happen is a knight would go around and quest and adventure and such like until he eventually w earned the right to be contacted by, and I'm not making this up, the Lady of the Lake. Like, that's what they fucking called it in the Warhammer Fantasy source books. It was literally the Lady of the Lake. And she would present herself to this uh, knight and the knight and offer the knight to drink from, and I'm not making this up, the Holy fucking Grail. Oh my god! <laughs> and um, and so these That's grail knights, yes. Now Jesus Christ was never mentioned at any point at this point, but it was absolutely called the Grail that the Lady of the Lake carried, and she would present the Grail to the knights, and then this is where the grim dark comes in. If the knight drank from the Grail and was gr uh, determined to be um, uh, worthy by the Lady of the Lake. They would gain all kinds of ridiculous power and strength and stuff like that and elongated life and such. And they would basically go out and become kings or lords or generals or whatever. Yeah, but and but you can't expect to wield supreme executive power just because some watery tart threw a cup through, at you. Exactly. Yeah. I was going to make that <laughs> reference. Hey. But then if they if they were here's the grimdark part. If they were <laughs> if the lady of the lake decided that she didn't that you weren't um, worthy, you then died a horrible fucking death like. Mm. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade ah, shrivel down into nothing, you know? Melting Nazis. Yeah, yeah melting Nazis. So, yeah. God, I love it when Nazis melt. Well, it, I mean, so, so does <laughs> so Steven Spielberg, so that works out. Um, so, uh, so the idea of, um, of uh, the, the virginal uh, water deity and uh you know uh and the protection of a uh, uh of a feminine uh symbol in other words the grail the cup uh and um the uh feminine deity the feminine water deity granting um uh approval uh for the knight to represent or you know let's face it inseminate the uh the virginal deity is all very 
you know, very Fran, Fran, Frenchy kind of Germanic, mytho, you know, Arthurian mythology kind of stuff. Which, which itself is basically a co-option of both um, Christian doctrine and pagan beliefs. Exactly. Which yeah. is how a lot of that early medieval spreading of Christianity happened in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, for me, um, this is where I'm going to interject something that I kind of assumed about the Bretons, and it's never established, which is based on what we know, I think it would be very fitting for them, is a kind of syncretic belief system where they have these elements of both, um, like like we talked about earlier, these cultural and perhaps religious uh, introductions from the Altmer and the Dereni, as well as traditional netic beliefs and those of the Reachman and the Forsworn kind of coming together to create a mishmash or a properly syncretic worldview of how things are and how they came to be, which, again, would make it not... Arthurian, because in this case it involves like Daedra and Aedra and a whole crazy cast of characters in that sense, but just of the same kind of concept in terms of how it came about, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, well, as as far as like the influences that that I see in Bretons, I see a lot of Shakespearean lore. So a lot, a lot of things like um, you know, that we see in A Midsummer Night's Dream or uh, A Winter's Tale, um, those those kinds of supernatural things, or uh, um, not Hamlet, uh, Macbeth, but the witches. Oh uh, yeah, there you go. Um, you know, we we get the Glenmore Weird and and all the other witch covens. There are at least a dozen of them in Um, so many witches. Um, and and so we get. A lot of Western European kind of flavor. Um, I like. I always like to throw in Egyptian whenever I can, um, and and I think a lot of that is a holdover from Nords again because yeah. the Nords have a whole lot of Egypt going on. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, it's you, you walk into a Nordic temple and it's kind of like this is if the Egyptians decided not to build pyramids, but conquered the frozen tundra wastes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's pretty ridiculous, but I'll I love it. Yeah. I, I also see a lot of, uh, like, uh, Cithurius mentioned, um, Alexandre Dumas. So a lot of like, uh, you know, count of Monte Cristo and, and, um, uh, three musketeers type stuff. Um, I see it's about, it's about the heroic ideal. Yeah, yeah. So I see a lot of that. Um, I see some um, divine comedy in there. Um, so Dante, uh, and then I see some, um, and, and I think this is a this is a, a Kirkbride um, uh, notion. The the horse tribe of the Bulesay River. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they strike me as Rohan. Mm. Um, <laughs> And but but they're almost more tribal. Uh, lots of dangly earrings and and you know bits and bobs that are kind of hanging off of their armor. Um, they and, they and, never dismount from their horses. Uh, yeah, like a, like a cross between the, the the Rohan people in in Middle Earth and and the um, uh, and the Dothraki almost, but less of a of of an Arabic influence so well i i always just kind of saw the horse people as like oh kirkbride just took the ancient magyars of hungary and put them into the elder scrolls universe neat that's just kind of how i viewed it 
Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, I tend to, when I look at any culture in the Elder Scrolls, and I try to think of, of what influences there are, I like to take real world things and then throw them in a blender. And yeah. here's what comes out, you know, like, um, like it's, it's Ash- never just one thing. It's a little uh, yeah. bit from everybody. Yeah. Right? So like the Ashlanders, for example, I look at them as primarily Mongolian, mm. um, you know, uh, very nomadic people. Um, uh, Jewish a mm-hmm. little bit, so it's is Israeli people, uh, and yep. and then and then I throw in some African tribe stuff, sure. uh, especially when they when they speak. I'll I'll you know during role play I'll I'll speak with like a um you know, a Central African accent because it because it separates them from from the other Dunmer, um and the other Dunmer I'll give them the old you know uh, a Morrowind voice. Uh, Why walk yeah. the ride? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll do I'll do some of that, but um, yeah, that's that's an example. Uh, and like the house Dunmer, I might I might see Chinese and Egyptian with a little bit of Japanese thrown in. And hey, there's there's Dunmer. You know, maybe some Pueblo people a bit. Um, and then, um, but for the Bretons, yeah, a lot of it isn't isn't so much real world cultures as real world literature. Um, that's a very good way. So, of putting it, so yeah, cause, cause Shakespeare is the first thing that comes to mind. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, even, even some of his sonnets, uh, the first one that I can think of is that actually fits the buttons pretty well is, uh, when 40 winters shall besiege thy brow. That's actually my favorite sonnet. Uh, and that one, that one talks about how, um, you know, you save your beauty by having children. And that that I think fits kind of the um, some of the cultural ideas of of you know continuing to to live and prosper, uh, you know, be be the king of your hill, um, sort of things. Um, and then yeah, like the, the witches in Macbeth, um, lots of treachery like in Hamlet. Um, all the supernatural stuff. So fairies are, are a thing. You know, a lot of a lot of the yeah, old school fairies, fairies you know, witches, and, vampires, werewolves. Yeah, yeah. Um, the centaurs, satyrs. Yeah, there's uh, actually those, dragonlings in High Rock as well in Daggerfall. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And speaking of dragons, um, we were we were trying to figure out why the king in. Daggerfall is called the dragon, and and the thought I had was that it has to do with royalty, uh, because royalty is is dragon shaped, mm-hmm. um, and and Kim is its syllable, right. uh, and so while while the while the king of High Rock may not be a ruling king in that sense, that's they're attributing that royalty that that image of royalty, so dragons, to the king because they're they're using that as um as a way to profess his uh his royalty and maybe they've kind of forgotten the the metaphysical implications that that has so it's a word that they started using and they just kind of never changed it um but that was the, you know while while we were talking about other things that's that's kind of where where my mind went um so if that if that helps um explain that um 
Yeah, yeah. Dragons are forever. Makes sense for a kingdom to to mm-hmm. use that as a symbolism. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually a very good point to make. Yeah. I as a matter of fact, I like that pretty much the best. <laughs> like that's the best one I've heard yet. Yeah. 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 We should um, have had Sith on this cast. We we done goofed. Um. <laughs> having said that, we we're we've already hit our allocated time for today. So, um, what's left? Um, I mean, we, 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 we only brushed Reachman a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but no. I think we had a whole, I didn't we do a whole cast on Reachman and hedge magic. Wasn't that a thing that feels we did? like it? I think we might've been talking about like, uh, that, like Nordic. That might have got distracted. That might've been a casual one I did with Evan. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Um, but but um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to go back and look. Uh, what, are, what other cultures do we have, have? Have we not done yet? Is this everybody? Uh, I think the only thing we haven't really touched haven't on Khajiit? is uh, the stuff that happens later on in the Fun. third era, such as certain kings or queens, or how a lot of the emperors that were, you know, based officially in the imperial city in Cyrodiil, mm-hmm. they spent many years of their youth actually somewhere in High Rock. It was sort of a training ground, as it were, for governance, Politics. right? It's like, hey, if you can try and govern and deal with High Rock, you can handle all of Tamriel kind of thing, right? No. Yeah, Paravania, we might we might actually have to end up doing a cast for the lesser known uh, yeah. cultures. Yeah, that's that's something that we've talked about doing mm-hmm. is taking all the other non-playable races, Imga, Slowed, Lilmethit, Kothringi, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, name name a race, that, the uh, the Marimer, and yeah. maybe sp- cutting those up into mm-hmm. into different um, different episodes, and then and then seeing how those go. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I could talk about Slowed all day. I think we did uh, a Slowed cast, didn't we? Nope, we did the Somerset cast, and and oh. there was a lot of slowed stuff in there. That's right. Uh, because it was yeah. introduced. That's, that's, that's funny because that's that's what you said last time too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, we also we haven't gotten around to doing Argonians yet. That's right. We're still nope. trying to dance we, around we, Argonians. We 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 tried to like yeah. we, we tried to do it like three weeks in a row, mm-hmm. and then it just never happened. And so we did. Uh, um other stuff instead because we were like well we don't know what to do uh have we done a khajiit one nope we're waiting for michael ziegler to be available okay yeah yeah because that's for obvious reasons if we haven't done one yet then yeah we got to do one with with the mz um as it did we do uh we did with it we did orcs we've done imperials we've done uh did we do one for dunmer every cast is a dunmer cast uh, <laughs> can you tell our favorite races? Yeah, done, done by the best. Yeah, um, we did, we did red guards. Yep. Mm-hmm. I yeah. was there for that. Yeah. So, so that, yeah. So Argonians, and then, and then the non-playable races. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, Argonians, Khajiit, non-playable races. Okay, and uh, I think. Um, we'll, we'll try to do that again in, uh, not in the week, not this week, but the week after, uh, one, our one, usual bi-weekly what if, Every two weeks. What if, uh, what if we did a, a cast on, um, like authority in, in the Elder Scrolls? So different kings and queens and emperors and, and, mm. uh, you know, people that the movers and shakers. 
Snow elves and aliens. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, the 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 major leaders of various uh, cultures and very and like influential leaders might be a good cast. Yeah, yeah. It'll give me another yeah. chance to talk about Rima so, again. Yeah, yeah. Um, we can talk about Riemann, talk about Talos, we can talk about Uriel the Seventh. We can talk about uh, uh, um, Cameron, the the Cameron. Cyrus the Restless. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, I mean, we might even be able to to get the the player characters in there, because uh, they're you know the, the all the prisoners. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, wasn't there a cast about the prisoner and their importance? That, mm-hmm. that, Very there, early. there was. Yep. Um, but I mean, if we if we look at them from from a standpoint as characters who matter, okay, who are okay. and who are That's important to to the, the the Elder Scrolls universe as a whole, I think okay. I think that might be a pretty good. Uh, uh, I mean, it's a pretty big topic, but. Um. Yeah, I feel like that's that's something we could, we could do mm-hmm. at some point. But okay, so how about we just decide? No, Captain. Why don't we just decide? <laughs> oh, what did Captain say? I never give him his ring. Uh, what? Why don't Far we? Oh, Baron Zaya. We could do a whole Berenzio cast just on Baron Zaya. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't we do? Uh, why don't we try to work our next cast around Michael Ziegler to make sure that we get him when he's available, and um, and we'll do Khajiit for the next cast. Uh, so right. we'll we'll shoot for a week after next, but um, there might be, might have to be some wiggle room about when exactly that happens. Yeah, I, I I may not I, be able to beam cast week a week after next. Oh no, I can make that because I've got my bachelor party on the twenty fifth. Oh. Hey. Hey. hey! All right. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, thanks very much for everybody for t- uh, for tuning in. I'd like to thank to our two new subscribers today. Uh, is no chaos who subscribe with the tier one subscription. Thank you very much for that. Welcome to the house of we and uh, Assemblyo came back in with another uh, month of uh, of Twitch Prime subbing for five months. Thank you, Siri, You're the cornerstone of this channel. And uh, welcome uh, again to the House of We. Oh, can, uh, thanks I, to all I, the people who followed. And uh, we have uh, almost every cast we do is a Kirkbride cast, Reg. Um, but I would like to have him back on at some point. Uh, and um, yeah, okay. And uh, don't forget to join the Discord uh, channel. The uh, link is in the description for our channel here. Uh, it's the fastest way to find out where we go live. And we can will see I, everybody I, next can time. Can I plug a thing? Yeah. Uh, so for those who haven't, uh, heard, mm-hmm. um, there is a, uh, um, an Elder Scrolls, um, literary journal that I am running. Oh, that's right. Uh, Thanks. Yes. 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 The, the Talmora independent, um, link that in, find in chat if you can. Yeah. You can find it either on Facebook, um, or we have a website, Talmora independent.net. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you have writing that you've. Uh, been wanting to publish. I mean, you could you could put it on Reddit, but everyone does that. Or you yeah, can put it on you can put it on the Talmora. Um, and uh, I I uh, every month or so I try to produce another issue. So we actually have issues, uh, and they're usually about ten pages long or so. Um, we feature community art, community writing. Um, if if you write it, if you draw it, paint it. Uh, fuck it, I'll even throw in videos if you want. Yep. Um, all digital PDF version. Um, they've they've turned out really great so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm always looking for more 
contributions, and we have a little section just for the Selectives Lorecrast. So, um, <laughs> yep. I'll, I'll be sure to send some stuff your way. Don't you worry. Yeah, man. Do it. Yep. Okay, folks. <laughs> Wait, goodbye. Bye-bye. 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 Thanks for joining us.